All right, good morning, Harvest Muskoka, Harvest Prairie Sound. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible on you this morning, if you throw your hand up, we'd love to get a Bible into your hands. If you didn't bring your Bible or forgot one, throw your hand up, grab one of these. If you don't own a Bible, for sure, throw your hand up, grab one of these and take it home as, as our gift to you so you have a copy of God's Word for yourself to be in it during the week and to just have a, a, a copy of God's Word. Grab whatever you've got and turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be starting in, in verse 42 this morning. And, and here's what we're doing. We're, we're working our way through this series we're calling One. And, then, and we're preparing our hearts, we're preparing us as a church family. Why are we doing this? Because we know that coming up very soon, we're going to have some very big changes in our church. We, we already have a, a campus in Perry Sound. Love Perry Sound. Love you guys. And, and, and we're excited that as Godfrey has been, has been leading there as the campus pastor there, that, that very soon he's going to start to be the, the one who does full-time preaching in that church. And yet we're still going to have Perry Sound as a part of what we're doing. So, so he'll be preaching full-time, but we're still going to be one church together. And then, then what's coming soon as the bigger change is this, that by God's grace, we're looking to plant another campus in Huntsville. And, and here's why it's a big change. In doing that, as you guys know, we're pretty much dividing this campus in half. Sending about half of you who live more to the north of Muskoka are going to plant that church. And, and, and it's, it's a change. It sure is. It's uncomfortable. Why would we do it? Because we have a desire for the gospel to go forward. We've said it this way, that our, our hope is this, that we can grow smaller to reach further. It's not because smaller's better, because smaller's not the goal. That's not the whole purpose of, well, let's get small. I mean, I've had people ask me before as our church is growing, hey, hey, Kyle, like, like how big do you think this is going to get? Like, do you, do you ever hope that maybe, maybe it'll stop growing? Do you, ever, do you ever just pine for the days when you were a lot smaller of a church? I got to tell you, that's a crazy question for me. Of course, I don't want us to be smaller. I do want us to grow, and, and not for the numbers. I don't care about the numbers, but I want us to grow because I want more people to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. I want more people saved and transformed, and, and then they go out and they invite more people out who are then saved and transformed by the gospel. So I want us to grow. I want everybody in all of our communities to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and fall in love with Jesus and have their lives changed for eternity. But to do that... We need to plant more churches in each community. That's what the getting smaller is. It's, it's not so much about the, the size. It's about taking us as a church and moving into our communities, close to our neighbors, close to the people who we want to reach out, close to those people we work with, those people we bump into at the grocery store, because we want to effectively and deeply see Jesus do a work in our communities. And so what we're doing, we're asking God to kind of do what's the paradox we see in the New Testament church, where we're growing large in number, but we're growing small in unity and in closeness and on mission, and that's our hope. Our hope is this, as we grow to three campuses, and maybe by God's grace, more, and I don't want to stop there, I want to continue to see God use us to reach Muskoka and beyond with the gospel as we grow, our hope is this, we're still going to stay one church, united together sharing resources for this cause of the gospel. And last Sunday, we talked about, well, what's this idea of one? It's because we have one God. This is about Jesus and Jesus only. Yeah, we're, we're raising funds to, to 
renovate a building and then eventually to, to do something here in Bracebridge as well. But it's not about a building. This, this whole campaign is not about a building. It's, it's not about the name of our church. It's not about any person who leads. It's about Jesus Christ, one God. It's also one church. I, I want to focus on that this morning, that, that we be a people united by Jesus and united for Jesus. And here's what I want you to understand. It, it might sound a bit like, well, that's, that's a great ministry plan. Sure, it's a ministry plan, but for us to be united as a church, man, that's basic Christianity. If you, if you were to grab a copy of God's Word and open up to the book of Acts and go, let me see what church looks like, and, and, and just imagine you have no church baggage behind you. You're coming in just clean going, what's church going to be? What, what would we come up with? And, and we're so excited as a church to be looking forward in anticipation as we look forward to what God has for us. But, but before we do that, we also have to be faithful in looking backwards. To go back to the very beginning of the New Testament church as it's found in Acts chapter 2 and say, What's, what are we supposed to look like as we do this? Let me give you a quick context before we jump into the New Testament church that's been formed here in Acts chapter 2. And here's what leads up to that. Jesus had, had died and has been resurrected. And, and after he was resurrected, he gathers his disciples around him to say, hey, guys, guys, this resurrection is everything. This is the whole point of history. All of Scripture was pointing to me, to me coming, Jesus would say, to live the perfect life you couldn't live, die a death in your place, and be raised again. And, and now he's told his disciples, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you my spirit. The Holy Spirit will come. So, so wait until the spirit comes because the spirit will empower you to do the mission I've called you to. And then Jesus sends them out and says, this is the job you've got now. He says, go out into the world with the gospel. Then we read on Peter in the first, uh, first couple chapters. We see that Peter now stands up and he delivers this incredible sermon in chapter two. A sermon where he just preaches out and says, listen, listen, apart from Christ, you have no hope. There's no hope of you being reconciled to God, of you reaching God, of you dealing with your brokenness and your sin. There is no way, no hope. You're dead in your sins. And look at verse 37 of chapter two. After delivering this sermon, they say this. When they'd heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, repent. He says, your life is pursuing after sin. The, the, the hope comes when you stop pursuing after sin, stop pursuing your own way, stop reaching horizontally for your hope and your identity and your peace. Stop doing that and you turn and you turn towards the cross of Christ and you pursue Christ. That's repentance. Where you say, it's, it's no longer this anymore. My life is about Christ. I'm choosing Jesus. I'm gonna walk after him. I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to be like him. Peter says that, that, that's what Christianity is. Repent. And then he says, and be baptized. So again, if, if you're here this morning as a Christ follower who has not been baptized, I'm telling you, you don't find you anywhere in Scripture. 
You're saved and baptized. If, if you have not been baptized, for whatever reason it is, I want to encourage you, man, grab a hold of, of one of the pastors or your small group leader or somebody here because there's an opportunity coming up, June 23rd. Sign up for it. Get in a, a place where you will humbly come before people and say, this is my life in Christ. The outward expression of, of a life who, that's died to your old self and been raised again in Christ. I mean, that's what baptism is. That's what we're called to do. And then what happens? Look at verse 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You got to imagine what's going on here. They were a church of about, a group of about 120 people. And then, boom, 3,000 new Christians. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, like, like, can you imagine, like, what would that look like? Whenever I read this, whenever I think about this, my, my mind always goes to children's ministry. And like, what would that have been like? Could you imagine you show up at a church, about 120 people, and they say, hey, we, we need someone to work with the toddlers. We have three toddlers, and, and if you could work and, and serve in the, in the children's ministry there, and you're like, yeah, I'll do that for sure. I, I'll look after those three toddlers. And then you show up the next Sunday, and they're like, yeah, uh, we have 300 toddlers now, Right? Like absolute craziness. And, and listen, we can look back at this moment. We can look back at the New Testament church and have this romantic idea of, wow, it must have been a perfect church. I bet nobody struggled in the early church. I bet the leaders there always made perfect decisions. They, they probably never gossiped. There was no sin. Not a chance. It was a broken church, just like we're a broken church. I would say this, I think that, that we can be so hurt and so wounded because we hold up the church to a higher standard than it's supposed to be held to. And, and we expect perfection from our church, listen, that only belongs to Jesus Christ. We're made up of broken people, all of us pursuing after Christ. But the church was never intended, never expected to be a perfect place because it's made up of imperfect people. So here's what happens. We hurt each other in church. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to be disappointed if, if you're putting the expectations of a perfect, holy Jesus Christ on other broken people. Jesus is the only one who's perfect. The rest of us, we surrender our lives to him and to his grace and to his mercy and to his transforming power to make us more and more like him. So then, then what did this imperfect church do? This, this church relying on grace pursuing mission, what did it look like? Well, verse 42 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in calm and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the needs, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, so what's this church look like? You see right away in verse 42 that, that word there, devoted. It says they, they devoted themselves. I would say this, if we want to be a church on mission together, we want to be one church, there's our first point this morning that we would say, I'm devoted. I'm devoted. 
This whole idea of church is not a, well, I'm kind of in, kind of out. I'll do that one-time thing, but then maybe not. And if it gets hard, I'm pulling out. No, it's, it's just, I'm all in. I'm devoted to this. You understand the difference between being devoted to something and not being devoted to something? I've used this example before. I am not devoted to jogging. My wife, Libby, she's devoted to jogging. All right, it doesn't matter what it's like outside every morning. There she is. Mean, if, if you drive by our road, you've probably seen her. Winter, rain, sunshine, she's out running and jogging. Why? Because she's devoted to it. I'm not. So, so what do I do? I kind of get fired up about it sometimes. Like I see people running and go, that looks like it's probably good for me. I'm going to do it. And what do I do? I get, I get my, my nice red shoes on and I, I get socks on. I'm like, this is going to be great. And I go out and I run. I'm like, yeah, this does feel great. This is good. Yeah, I'm going to do it. But I'm not devoted to it, right? So what happens? Well, if, it, if the weather's not right, I'm not going. If, if, if I wake up and I'm kind of tired, I'm not going, right? If, if I'm a little sore, I'm just not going to go. So, so, so I'm not devoted to it. And, and what, what the scripture's saying here is they were devoted they had a loyalty to it. They, 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 they had an, an immeasurable passion, an enthusiasm, a commitment, a belonging to this. It, it wasn't a, a pick and choose. It was a devotion. It, it's, it's like marriage, for better, for worse. Like, we're into this. It's saying, this is my church. Th- these are my people. And, and I know there might be times when there's hurt. I know there's times when it's difficult, but man, I don't bail on this. I'm, I'm devoted to these people for the mission of Jesus Christ that he has us on together. When we lack devotion, when we're okay with sporadic or just kind of casual attendance, when we're we're okay to hide our stuff and, and live in sin, but I don't want anybody else to know about it. When, when we keep every relationship surface, when we don't have any relationships marked by the gospel or by prayer or by walking with each other to Christ, listen, we won't be united as one church. And our mission begins to fall apart. And it doesn't take long for churches to eventually drift into just being another church social club. Listen, these guys in the early church, these men and women who who were pouring their lives out for the early church, they didn't have all the answers. I mean, it's like one week you have 3,000 new people. I can imagine they didn't have all the answers, but what did they have? They had a group of people who were devoted For the rest of this morning, let's look at what they were devoted to. Here's our second point this morning, the first thing they're devoted to. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They're devoted to the word. That God's word is at the the center of this church. That that they're devoted to this mission. They're devoted to each other, but it's it's God's word at the center of it. It's, It's why it's one of the distinctives of who we are as a church that we will fearlessly proclaim the truth about God and the gospel by clearly preaching the scriptures, having a dependence on the Holy Spirit that he's going to illuminate. He's going to bring about the change that comes as we boldly preach God's word. It's why I begin every single Sunday with the same phrase, why don't you grab your Bibles? Because we want to be devoted to God's word. It's why small groups will be centered around God's word. It's it's why I would encourage you every day to to get into God's word. If we want to be one church, 
gathered together, devoted together to one mission. We're going to be a church where God's word is proclaimed, explained, where we immerse ourselves in it. My question this morning is, are, are you devoted to that? Are you devoted to, to leaning in? I mean, I want to learn more about Christ. I want to grow closer in knowing him. I want to dig into his word. I want to read it. I want to meditate on it. I want to memorize it. I want to pray through it. I want to study it. I would say this, if we're followers of Christ, we should consider it a wasted day when we haven't picked up God's word. So let's encourage each other in that. It's not always easy. It's, it's sometimes it's difficult in the business of life where, where, where this kind of takes a, a second page to all the other stuff we have to do. And, and we also know that there's a battle going on for it as well where Satan does not want you in the word. And so it's difficult. Let's encourage each other in that. Let's ask each other, hey, what are you reading? Hey, what's God showing you in the word? Hey, 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 why don't we read together this week, this month, this year? I mean, if, if you're looking to experience this, this life of connection with Jesus, this life of faith and power and transformation, there is no hope outside of immersing yourself in the Word of God. It, it's like thinking, well, I think I can live a pretty healthy lifestyle without having to eat anything. No, we need, we need to eat to, to, to survive. And well, well, you know what I'll do? I'll just eat a massive meal once a week huge lunch on Sundays. That'll carry me through. It won't. It's the same spiritually. I mean, this is good that we gather together like this and to, to hear God's word proclaimed, but for all of us here, we have to continue feeding on the word every day, all week. Why? Because our goal is to let Jesus speak. It's because we want to hear from God. Otherwise, here's what we're saying. We're saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. I, I want you to transform me. I, I want the power you offer, but, but, but seriously, could you just sit down and be quiet? Like, like I'll listen to you, Jesus, for, for maybe 40 minutes on a Sunday. That's okay. But other than that, if you could just not say a whole lot, that'd be great. Being devoted to Christ and his word means that that when you come even on a Sunday, you, you've already come having immersed yourself in the Word where, where you've come spending time with the Lord and you, you get to have those experiences where you sit in church and go, I can't believe that the pastor's talking about that because that's exactly what Jesus has been pressing in on my heart all week. And you come prepared, hearts prepared by the Word. This, this community grew deeper together, bonded together because they did it around God's Word. I'm devoted to the word. Here's a second thing that would be devoted to. Our third point this morning, that I would be devoted to fellowship. It says they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now, now if you were like me and you grew up in church, we've kind of downgraded that word a whole lot in church world. Fellowship means casseroles, right? Fellowship means having coffee. And that, that's, that's, and there's nothing wrong with, with eating casseroles, tuna casserole, maybe. There's nothing wrong with eating casseroles, and there's nothing wrong with having coffee. But, but, but understand this, it's not the coffee that creates the fellowship. It's being on mission together with Christ. When you think fellowship, a better word for that would, would be partnership. It, it, don't think so much standing around having coffee. Think being in a trench together in the middle of battle. That's fellowship. That's pointing each other to the word. That's, that's coming alongside of each other as a brother and a sister. 
That, that's sharing life together. That's, that's sharing financially. That's, that's having each other's back when things are hard. That, that's sacrificing our time for each other. That's fellowship. Sacrificing my calendar, my routine, my schedule, saying, man, this is all open. This is open for you. And the gospel becomes way more important than our tight schedule. And the gospel begins to transform even our relationships where we begin to see that our relationships now have the gospel at the center of it. We, we begin to talk more about mission together. We begin to talk more about what Christ is doing in each other's lives together. And we begin to, begin to have, have the, our life now having oriented around the mission we've been called to instead of making sure that everyone else is oriented around my schedule and my time and what I want and my comfort. It goes deeper here. It says, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread. It's, just, it's almost like he's taking fellowship down to a, a deeper level here. And, and when he says breaking of bread, it can, it can mean either of two things. It could either mean sharing meals, like it says later on in the text, they ate meals together. It could mean that. Or, or it could mean communion, celebrating the Lord's Supper together. I mean, I'd say it could be both. It means this, that we do life together. That, that fellowship means we, we share our lives. We open up our homes to each other. We have meals together. We linger and talk and, and share life and find out more about each other and enjoy just hanging out together as brothers and sisters. It's where on a Sunday, maybe you grab a stranger who you don't know, but you've seen in church and you go, hey, why don't we have lunch together as families? I mean, that's fellowship. That's breaking bread together. And, and we, we take Jesus out of this little religious box we put him in and say, no, 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 he's coming with me. No, 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 we're doing this together. I mean, I love having meals with people and just asking this, hey, tell me how you knew Christ. Tell me how, how God got a hold of your life. T tell me when you started following Christ. I mean, you get to hear those stories of God's grace, of, of his providence as he reaches into a heart and a life that was running from Christ and just hear story after story. Man, it encourages your heart and you get to know each other. You talk about the word, you talk about life, you talk about Jesus. You talk about Jesus at work in your, in your life, in your family. Now, 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 breaking of bread, it could also mean the Lord's Supper though. And it's the Lord's Supper. We come together as one and we meet each other at the cross. I mean, that's what the Lord's Supper really is. It's, it's us coming together at the cross. And, and listen, we may be coming from different walks of life and different places in our walk with Christ, but when we come together to the cross, we like to say this, the ground is level at the cross. When you come to the cross, if you're prideful, it humbles you. If you're broken, it lifts you up. And we, we come to the cross united in that place, celebrating the gospel together in the Lord's Supper. And I love when you, when you read in Acts 4 of the guy who was lame since birth, and then, then he meets Peter and John, and they heal him. And, and what's the next thing he does? Man, he's in the temple dancing and singing and leaping around. I think when we come to, to the Lord's Supper, is it solemn? For sure it is. We're, we're, we're allowing the gospel to press into our hearts. But, when, but when, man, when we come to communion, there should be a celebration about it as well. Because we were blind. We were dead. We were lame. And now we've been set free. I almost think maybe we should start to institute a, a whole other spiritual practice in our church and just high-five each other after the Lord's Supper. All right? 
Okay, maybe not. But wouldn't that right? Like there should be this excitement about it. I mean, I, I love it when you see when you see people at a sporting event. I, I remember being in high school and 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 I, I went to a Jays game and, and they had they had made it in the playoffs and they they were they were about to be swept. I think it was by the A's. And 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 everyone just assumed that it was over. It was done. They weren't gonna win any more games. And I remember sitting there in the game and they were winning that game. And every run, every hit, every home run, I'm hugging a dude beside me who I don't even know whose face is blue paint, right? And why? Because we're just excited together. And there's, there's just this, 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 in that moment, you, you stop being so insecure and, and self-focused. You, you definitely stop worrying about being cool. I mean, his face is painted blue. He's beyond the cool face now, right? And you're just you're like, man, I can't believe this happened. You're sharing that moment together. But listen, when we come to the cross, we're coming to celebrate that we've been transformed. We've been set free. And, and you may look different on the outside, well, you come as people who have been forgiven and we celebrate. Here's the fourth point, the third thing we'd be devoted to. We'd be devoted to prayer. If we want to see this mission go forward, if we want to see the gospel go out, if we want to see money raised enough to do what we want to see done, it's going to be as we gather together as a church in prayer. We have a lot of money to raise, so we call out to God. We have a, a lot of people to reach, so we call out to God. There, there are things about this new campus launch that are, that are going to be so hard and, and complicated, so we call out to God. That we would stay united as a church, we call out to God. The, the hurts and needs represented in this room, we call out to God. The, the marriages struggling, the, the people hurting, the addictions, the financial needs, the sin struggles, we call out to God. And God answers prayer. God answers prayer. I think it's why the devil tries so hard to stop us from praying, to, to, to stop churches from praying together, to make sure that prayer nights are, are lowly attended, to make sure that, that married couples don't ever pray together, to make sure that friends don't ever have any time in prayer together. But when we understand the mission we've been called to, man, it drives us deep into desperate prayer. And I just heard this, I'm, I'm reading a book by Tim Keller on prayer, and he said this, his, his wife came to him and said, how come we don't pray regularly? And he said, I felt convicted about it, but then she said this to him, she said, if, if you had a, a life-threatening disease, and a doctor came to you and said, here's the thing that will keep you alive, it's a pill you take every night. You have to take it every night. She said, you would never miss taking that pill. Now, what's Prayer. What's prayer? Like, prayer is us desperately calling to God because, listen, we desperately need him, and, and there's, we need him to do a work. We need him to do what only he can do. And so, so why would we ever miss the opportunity? In a church like that that's devoted to these things, what happens? Look at verse 43. Here's what happens. Verse 43 says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It says there's an awe that was on the place. What's that mean? It means there was this divine presence. There was this, this feeling in that church where you're like, man, I got to take off my shoes because this is holy ground here. This church was so genuine. 
That those coming from the outside, coming in, they were in awe. That they weren't wowed by a building. They weren't wowed by the preaching. They weren't wowed by the worship. They weren't wowed by their programs or the website. They were wowed because they've come face to face with the supernatural presence of God. And the place was filled with awe. Why? Because Jesus was there. What is it that creates this, this uncommon community, this, this united together, us being one church? It's when Jesus is at the center. If Jesus is not at the center, there will not be community. And so what do we do? We pursue Jesus together. We have him a part of our daily lives. We, 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 we press in together, and man, we see unity like we've never seen before when that happens. And, and not because harvest is special, but because God's presence is there. And when God's presence begins to move in a church, lives are radically changed and we're drawn tightly together in the gospel. This happens when we're devoted to the word, when we're devoted to fellowship and the breaking of bread, when we're devoted to prayer. And it's gonna lead to this. It's gonna lead to a deeper devotion for each other. But our last point this morning is this. I, I'm devoted to others. We see it here in, in verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, can't, can't you just see what's going on here? This, this church is filling up and spilling over. I mean, they, they couldn't get enough of each other and, and people are being drawn together. And, and it, look, it says people who had needs. I like that. It, it means this. It means a church is a place where there are needs. It's not like, oh man, the needs came in here and, and it's kind of wrecking what we got going on as a church. No, God's like, no, that's why I've got you together as a church because I'm placing needs right in the middle of your church. Why? So that we can take care of each other's needs. That's God's way of building a church. And so we come with our brokenness and each of us can be agents of grace and hope and help pointing each other to the gospel and the gospel changes us. We no longer live insulated. We no longer have to live separated. I mean, just, just listen to this description here. I mean, this is supernatural. I mean, you show me stuff like this happening in a church and I'll show you a church filled with the Holy Spirit. God has landed on that church and it's at work. And, and listen, pe people don't do what's described here unless the Spirit is at work in their hearts. Where people have this, 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 this crazy love for, for Christ and a, and a love for each other and, and, and so much so that the temporal stuff no longer has a grip on them anymore. Their own comfort, their own ease, their own control, their own schedule no longer has control of them. I mean, I was thinking about this in our specific context here in Muskoka. As we plant this church in Huntsville, I mean, I recognize this. I see this, that, that those of you who, who are in Bracebridge or Port Carling or Gravenhurst, you're the ones who are going to feel the, the hardness of this probably the most. Because you're being called to give to something where you personally immediately won't see the benefit of it. Now, what's our hope? Our hope is when, when the North Campus is done, we're, we're just pressing right in and continue to raise money and see the same thing happen here. But in the meantime, in the meantime, here's what I would say. 
If you're from South Muskoka, here's what you get. You get the unbelievable joy, and Jesus promises us this. You get the joy of being fully outward focused. The blessing that Christ promises, it's better to give than receive as we focus on this mission together. And, and all of this, all of this begins when we're, we're no longer just devoted to us and our needs, we're devoted to others and, and we're connected to meet the needs of others. And our life is, is touching others' lives. When you walk out of here on a Sunday morning, do you walk out of here with the intention of this Sunday, who, who will I encourage today? Who, who's, who comes in here weak and I'm going to be the one who comes under them to give them strength? Who am I going to encourage today? What's it look like this coming week for you? I, mean, I love the phrase we use around here a lot, that, that our church is, is an intentionally invasive community. Like we're going to press in to each other's lives. We're going to do it with a purpose. We're, we're small groups, not just another program we have. Listen, we've intentionally stayed away from filling our church with a whole lot of programs and events. Why? Because we want to create a place where you can invite others into your life, where, where you can jump into others' lives, and you can press in with encouragement, with help, with care. And listen, sometimes, sometimes with confrontation too. Listen, when the gospel's at the center of our lives, we invite people into our lives and we allow them to speak truth into our lives. We, we say, hey, ask me about, about sin. If you haven't seen me in a while, if, I, if I've been drifting, man, just come get me, come talk to me, come ask me how I'm doing. Listen, I know that's uncomfortable to do that sometimes. It's uncomfortable to come alongside somebody. It's uncomfortable to have somebody come alongside you. But listen, listen, we have no hope outside of Christ. And so we desperately need each other to do that. To recognize that it's not okay when you see a brother or a sister walking towards danger. So, so we invite people into our lives. They speak into my life. We invite people to say, hey, speak, bring wisdom. We, we ask people questions and say, this is the kind of community we are. Hey, I'm thinking of changing jobs. Can, can you pray with me about that? Can you speak into that? Can you give wisdom to that? And we ask other people into that. Hey, can you help me with my parenting? Hey, hey my, my marriage could use some help. And you invite people into that. And say, let's walk this together and point each other to Christ. Listen, I, I've heard a pastor say this. He said, I don't get involved in tough marriages. He goes, because it's not really a church thing. That's a private thing. I'm thinking, that's not a biblical church. Church is not private. Christianity is not private. It's us living humbly with each other. It's us pressing in together. It's us walking life together. It's us celebrating victories together, crying together, struggling together, pointing each other to Jesus on mission together. Why? Because we desperately need each other. I saw this thing on a... a a Discovery Channel or National Geographic, and it was this, 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 this um, uh, group, what do you call a group of elephants? I don't even know what you call a group of elephants. Okay, a herd. I, I failed grade six probably. All right, so, so a herd of elephants, right? And, and there was this herd of elephants, and a tiger had come by, and the tiger was coming because the tiger's hungry, and he's thinking, elephant, that's a good-sized lunch. And he, he wanted to grab an elephant. What did they do? They huddled up together. They got the smaller elephants in the middle, the weaker elephants in the middle, they circled around with their trunks facing out. And every time this poor lion kept trying to get a, a bite to eat, it would be, 
and he's falling. Then he gets up and goes back in again. Couldn't get anywhere with this group of elephants until something happened. I don't know why, but one elephant bolted, took off out of the herd and ran. What did the lion do? Man, the lion didn't give a rip about that group anymore. The lion went straight for the one that ran, took that elephant down and had his lunch. Scripture says in 2 Peter that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. That's the imagery in Scripture. And Satan is very patient. He's very patient. And it says he's seeking whom he would devour. Not bite, not trip up, not kind of bug a little bit. No, no, he wants to take you out. And he's patient as he, he circles around. And, and as you're, you're in a, a church community, you're huddled up together, he's waiting for you to begin to drift away. He's waiting for you to say, I don't think I need this anymore. He's waiting for you to, to hide out. Listen, doing this, staying united like this, it does not come naturally. It is an intentional pursuit we need to do where we reach out, where we press into a small group and say, you know what? I'm not really a small group person, but man, I'm joining that because I need that. Because because I need to know people and love people. I need to be known and be loved. And what's the whole purpose of this? The purpose, we see it happen. Verse 47, that these people gather together with generous hearts and praising God, having favor with all the people. People looking from the outside and go, man, that's incredible. Something's going on there I've never seen before. And it says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Day by day. In the original Greek, it's, it's in what's called the, the perfect present tense. It means it just continued to happen. Like just over and over again, people are coming to Christ. I mean, don't, don't you crave a church described here? I mean, where, where people would walk in and go, man, I can't explain what's happening there. Because God's presence is so powerful. Lives are being changed. And how, how does that happen? It's when we gather together devoted to prayer, devoted to fellowship, devoted to God's word, devoted to each other, never isolated. Let me, let me end with a, a couple of questions. First question is this. Do you have people in your life with, with, with permission and proximity? Both of those things happening. What do I mean by that? I mean, do you have people in your life that, that have proximity? Like, like you have people in your life that will speak into your life and they're near you, all right? Like, like they're, not, they're not just, well, I've got a friend on Facebook and he kind of checks in every once in a while. Yeah, that's not proximity. I mean, people who can watch your life, who can see your life, who, who watch how your home goes, who watch how your work is, that they're close to you. They have proximity, but, but also they have permission. Where you've said you have absolute free, total permission. If you see sin in my life, man, would you point it out and I'll receive it? I mean, do you have that? Do you have people like that in your life? Do you have one or two or a group of people that you would say, yeah, I've got that? If not, seek it out. Here's another question. Do you have, do you have what some would call 2 a.m. friends? People who can call you at 2 a.m. and it's okay. People who you could call at 2 a.m. and they're not going to be ticked off at you or hang up on you. Do, do you have friends like that? Are you, any, are, you, are, you, are you that friend for anybody else? Thirdly, do you have friends who make you want to be more like Jesus? 
It's, it's not just having those 2 a.m. friends. It's not just having those friends who are, who are close to you. It's about having those friends who, who, when you're with them, you're like, man, that person makes me want to love and pursue and follow and be like Jesus. Listen, I, I, I love hanging out with people. I do. I just love having people around. I love having a good time with people. But I'm trying to be more and more intentional about, hey, who, who's in my life that I also have that would fit into these three categories? And, you know, as I start to gather those people up, there, there's something they all have in common. You know what it is? It's, it's not that we all have the same likes or dislikes. We don't all look the same. We don't all talk the same. Here's the thing that they all have in common. They're deeply committed to the mission of the gospel in my life. And they want to see me walk with Christ and finish this race well. And I want the same for them. Listen, if you don't have these things today, today is the day to make that change. Even, even as the worst team comes up, as we end off this morning, that, that, that right now you would start to pray for that. Lord, I don't have people who fit into those three categories. That right now, that, that maybe, like, you know, I don't have a devotion to the word and to fellowship and to prayer and to others. And you would even right now pray, Lord, would you grow that in me? If you're not connected, that you would reach out today. And you would pray that God would bless you with a community of people around you who point you to Jesus more and more. That God would provide in your heart that when church gets weird and we do get weird a lot, when we drop the ball, when, when a small group is tough, when, when that person you attend church with hurts you, that we pray for God's grace to abound that we, we would still see the value of what God's created here and we'd be devoted from to it. Would you stand with me as I pray before we sing? Heavenly Father, would you, would you grow that here in our church? God, we recognize even this morning that it's not a program that'll create this. It's not a book that, that we read that'll stir this up. It's, it's, it's not a system that we have to put in place, but God, it's your spirit drawing our hearts, creating a unity that only, only you could create. Father, protect us from, from the enemy that in a culture right now is he's prowling around like a roaring lion. Lord Jesus, we love you. Would, you. would you change us? Would you transform us? Would you grow us more and more to look like you, Lord Jesus? And then as you do that, as you refine our hearts, even now that you would send us out on mission to do your will. Lord, do that this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name.